0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Quarteline Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lowy, and I'm super excited today because we have a really special guest. Some of you may know him as the guy who wore a really interesting jacket uh, while translating for Steven Gerrard in a Rangers Europa League game. I know him as a really knowledgeable and really fun source on Portuguese football. I'm here today to speak about the weekend's events in Portuguese football with Manique Manuel Manet. How are you doing, Manique?
1: Thank you very much for this uh, appreciation. I'm very good. I hope you are doing well as well, and let's do it.
0: Absolutely. So, Manique, right? you work as a translator born in Guimaraes, but currently living in Leeds. How's it going so far? How, are, how excited are you for this season?
1: So far, so good. Uh, I'm excited for the season. Uh, many games ahead, international football as well. So football, I mean, the fans are back to the stadium. So it's all marvelous.
0: So there's a ton of action that we have to discuss uh, from this past weekend, but actually two games still uh, yet to be played today. Uh-huh. We've got Marichimo Aruca coming up shortly, and as well as Tondela Storio. Pretty interesting game. Tondela currently uh, hovering above the relegation zone with three points from their first, first four. They'll be looking to to get some more breathing room with the win. Storio, on the other hand, newly promoted team, playing in the top flight for the first time in a few years, and yet if they win today, if they, if they defeat Tondela, they will be second, not not tied with anybody on second. They, they themselves will be second. Currently at 10 points, if they win, they'll have 13 points. That's two more than Sporting or Porto have, and it's two fewer than Benfica have. Absolutely insane start to season for Storiel. I think that a lot of people, you know, even, even noticing, even taking a look at their impressive form, you know, getting to, I believe, the semis of the TASA and, of course, uh, winning the league. I think few people expected this, you know, drawing to Vitoria de Guimaraes, defeating Aruca and Pasos Schufeira, as well as Maricimo, now could be second in the league if they defeat Tondela. Talk to me about this Storiel team. How, have you been surprised at all by, by their impressive form?
1: Well, Storiel is actually a sensational, sensational side of uh, this season's Primera Liga. They do play uh, beautiful football. Uh, I like the project, because the project is based on a lot of local youngsters. Uh, they play offensive football. Uh, they are fear, fearless. And obviously, as the games go, past they are increasing growing confidence and this is why today they are on the verge of becoming a second on, of the league which is a absolutely uh, amazing amazing feature and very few people would expect that at the beginning of the season perhaps I would say that last couple of days of the market they've managed to add a lot of good players I'm thinking about Umayu Baró added to the existing ones they did purchase such as Francisco Geraldes uh, My from Ribeir, and of course all the young players that they already had from last season. We shall not forget that the under-23 side of Estoril won the Liga Revelação, which is a championship equivalent to the under-23s. So they managed to to win the league, and they, they also did a, a tremendous achievement of. The Cup of Honor 23. So, Stereo is a project that uh, has been ongoing and increasingly proving. And this is why today they have a tremendous side on the Premier League. Low cost. This is a key point that we should highlight. They are low cost. Because, you know, uh, financial financial issues in Portugal strikes most of clubs. So it's difficult to build ambitious team with a limited budget. And Sturil is certainly a good example.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, low cost, bringing in a lot of interesting players, such as Riotaro, Machino, Patrick William from Malika, and Rafael I as well as quite a few uh, players, such as Leonardo Ruiz, Rodrigo Valente, Riffond, and Racine Colli on free transfers. Player, The one player who I'm, I'm most excited to see at Storiel is uh, Romario Barro, very highly rated youth prospect coming out of Porto. Hasn't really had much in the way of opportunities, but coming into this Stor- storil team on loan and replacing Miguel Crespo, who's arguably the breakthrough performer of last season's Segunda, Talk to me about this this move for Baro. I know you rate him highly. How do you think he compares uh, with Crespo, who of course has recently joined Fenerbach? Do you think that this is the right move for his development?
1: Well, Crespo, I've not followed that much of his football in second uh, in Division Two, but he's a player that I've heard about for many time ago because we from we are from the same area, which is Nino. And I remember back in 2016, 2017, a lot of players of my neighbourhood and my area used to mention, oh, Crespo, Crespo is He's a C player. He's going to move to a big club. And on the same season, he went to Braga B. Obviously, Braga is a difficult team to break through the first team. So he was clever. And he moved to Estoril, which was uh, the platform that enabled him to get growing confidence, play valuable football in Division 2. And today he's in Turkey, uh, Turkish giant Fenerbahce. I think uh, it's a perfect move for him because he's going to play a different kind of football for each crowd of fans. Financial-wise, it's quite a decent move as well. We should highlight that. And who knows that in the near future, he can be eyeing a cap for the national team because football uh, they they're quick. So we, we can also count on him because now he's going to play European football. He's in a different dimension when it goes to Fenerbahce. So different spotlights then compared to Estoril. Kumari Boro as you stated, is a highly gifted player. Uh, he has a great reputation. He made his own reputation whilst he was a youth team. Sadly, the first season he had an injury whilst he was playing regular football. And since then, he did not manage to quite get through a uh, a place on Porto lineup, So I believe uh, this is the perfect team for him because uh, the football style suits his capacities. And I believe he's going to be able to meet uh, the expectations and actually replace uh, Miguel or Who knows, even overcome his past, his presence.
0: Storiel, of course, you know, finishing first in the Segunda last season. Uh, second place, we saw Vizela... Finishing just behind with 66 points, Aruca <coughs> as well finishing third, 65 points, and then defeating Hioav uh, in the promotion playoff. Definitely a big shock. Both sides. Let's talk about Aruka for a second. I know you, were, you know, mentioning Bato coming from the same neighborhood as you. I believe that their manager, Armando and the Evangelista, is from the same area as well. They're going to the Funchal, the Estadio de Madeira, where they're going to face off against Marichimo. So just talk to me a little bit about Aruca coming into the first division as well. What, what are your thoughts on them this season? How do you think they'll fare?
1: Aroka is a tremendous surprise as well to be in this division because uh, two seasons ago, as you know, they will play in third tier and just like Vizela, they managed to uh, get promoted twice in a matter of as many years, which is a legendary, legendary achievement. The secret of Aroka is their stability; they have a project. Which is based on players who are also, I would say, low-cost, low low-cost players. The manager is a very hard-working person, and this is why he achieving this efficiency. Because he was sacked previous times during his career, but never stopped to believe in his abilities. And thanks to his coach, coaching skills, he's managed to put Aroca on the map again. Aroca has some experienced players, such as, for example, Leandro Silva, who came through the ranks of Porto Academy. Uh, they have some interesting experienced players such as a goalkeeper as well and uh, for example the first match the first match I watched is in Stade Dalouche, they these first results they did well because they played with the man down for quite a lot of time they were very unlucky not to win versus from Malikau. And uh, I believe uh, they can remain in the first division. It will be tough because there are sides who have uh, different players on another level. But uh, trusting the manager, and from what I know from him, he's capable of putting in the work and put a rocker in a. But, uh, they wish which is to remain in the Premier League
0: as you mentioned it's going to be a very interesting uh, relegation fight just looking back to last season I mean we saw a team such as you know a team such as Femalikau which fought relegation for most of the season and yet still mm-hmm. finished just a few points away from securing European football for uh, Famalicao Drawing two to two on Sunday against Morinch. So, you know, going, paying a visit to, to the Park jo- Joaquim de Almeida Freitas in Morera de Comegos and facing off against Murrench. Morinch taking the lead early on when Shelley conceded a foul, Rafael Martin scoring from the spot in the 11th minute. For Malikau, though, take equalizing soon after, and eventually taking the lead via a brace from Simon Banza, twenty-five years of age, joining on loan from Len with an option to buy. Really excited to see this one uh, work out for them. I think that that this is partially what what they were missing. You know, a guy who you know can offer hold up play, you can offer just you know a general. Threat in the box wasn't necessarily a guaranteed starter at Len, and I think that they've done well to 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 learn about and replace him with Armand Kalimwendo. But you know, made a fantastic start to life in Portugal with a brace. I think that between him as well as Charles Pickle, I believe two players who born in Switzerland, uh, coming from Grenoble, but but playing for for the Congo national team, and you know has as all already made kind of a name for himself at that defensive midfield position. Banza, on the other hand, I believe, born to Congolese parents in France. I do think that Banza and and Pickle were two of their brightest stars yesterday. Morerenc, as we know, are a very physical team willing to to concede possession and just hit on the counter. They only had 41% possession and 66% pass accuracy. 253 passes to 350. But Getting the draw at home, thanks to a goal, a, a Lady Blazer from Andre Luish, and and scoring from a corner kick. General, I think that's that's sort of what you expect. You know, hitting on the counter and getting two. I don't want to say sloppy goals, but but two two set piece goals. You know, you don't necessarily need to play pretty to win. For Malikao, though, I, I will say that promising signs for sure. But I think that we'll see a bit what we saw last season. You know, of course, you don't you don't. Have have as much comings and goings as we saw last season you know with the likes of Tony Martinez, Pedro Gonzalez, uh, Ross Rasic so on so on you know leaving but you are still you know finding out how to replace the likes of Manuel Garte um, and Ruben Nagre and above all I think just just trying to find a way to click on all cylinders in attack I think that you saw in this game how the, the likes of Ivan Jaime who I thought was was fantastic at this form but had a bit of an off game um, against I uh, likes of him, Ivo Rodriguez, Marcos Palos, still kind of having a bit of an issue communicating, taking two touches when should have only taken one touch, and, you know, allowing the likes of Artur Georgi and, and Lazarosic, you know, the time to recover and tackle. I think they'll get better, but it'll take some time to learn to click on all cylinders. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Going off to yesterday's games, another two-to-two draw, though. We saw Jill Vicent going up against newly promoted Muzela. Jill Vicent getting the draw via brace from Fran Navarro to cancel out Marcos Paolo brace as well. Fran Navarro, really interesting start to, to the season, product of, I believe, Valencia's academy. Joining Jill Vicent. Uh, to, to replace Pedro Marquez and having a really impressive start to the season for the Guilistas, He's had some time in, in the Spanish youth teams, but, you know, didn't have much in the way of opportunities at Valencia and is now really making a name for himself at Gil Vicente. We've seen quite a few Spanish strikers really make a name for themselves in, in mid-table Portuguese sides. Mario Gonzalez at Tondela now at Braga. Tony Martinez at Famalicão, now at Porto. Abel Ruiz at, at oh, yeah. Braga, now now Getting, you know, rewarded with a call up to the Spanish national team. Fran may not be at that same level yet, but I do think it bodes well for Portugal, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see how he does. Anything you want to discuss with regards to the inch game or the Gil Vicente game?
1: Well, Famalicão is a side that plays positive football. They have great ideas. I, I would say I'm a fan of Ivo Vieira, which is a family coach. Holy Sims has uh, a lot of personality. Uh, they play good football. They put the, the hard work in. And uh, I believe that the fact they have a lot of youngsters can benefit, but can also be a downside for for Famalicão. As you mentioned, those those standard players, I would also add the likes of Heriberto, who is a player that played uh, for the Portuguese youth Team for many seasons and of course as you mentioned they have to replace the likes of Song, Ugarte which is not easy and this is why they are doing a, uh, I would say shaky beginning yet uh, they would need to start winning games to avoid that struggle that lasted until the very end of last season is the perfect example that sometimes we have a lot of beef players together but uh, there is something missing which avoids you to uh, go through a run of uh, positive momentum and for cow many people would expect to have uh, zero wins uh, now. We are in mid-September, they are yet to win a game. And they need to change uh, their perspective and start winning games.
0: Completely agree. They've got a lot of quality in their squad, and I don't think that they will uh, suffer from relegation, but the results do need to pick up. Well, last season,
1: last season, we wouldn't expect because they have a lot of talented players, even Ricardo. They um, have, uh, of course, David uh, Tavares, Will Ivan Jaime. They have a tremendous squad for, for to be a relegation area.
0: No, absolutely. I think they've got a lot of quality in squad. Definitely keep an eye on both Simon Bonza, though, as well as Ivan Jaime. Going to be really interesting to see what happens with them. Let's let's talk about let's talk about your hometown club. I know that you're a sporting fan, but, but your hometown club is Vitoria de Guimaraes, no? And, um mm-hmm. And, and they, they just secured a draw against Beleninch Saad. So Vitoria going down to 10 men early on uh, via red card from new signing Alpha Semedo, went down to nine men in the 59th minute via another red card from new signing Tony Borek, Borekovich. And yet, uh-huh. secured a draw at home against Benasad thanks to, um, among other performances, a really impressive performance in goal from Matúš Termál. So, uh-huh. Matúš Termál, twenty-two-year-old Czech goalkeeper, joined last summer from from Slovakia. Didn't really have that much in the way of opportunities thanks to the impressive form of Bruno Varela, who who was you know quite impressive. Um, had a bit of a which, yeah, a bounce back year at Vitoria. Uh, we've seen Thormol getting the starting spot early on as as Varela recovers from an injury. And at 22 years old, I mean, he, he looks like he could be one of the biggest revelations of this season. Had a very impressive performance uh, to to limit Belenenses to to zero goals, and is is showing a lot of quality. I think. And honestly, you know, as, as good as Varela was last season. I, I'm a bit worried about his starting spot, if he can you know, recover that once he, once he returns. Talk to me a little bit about Termal, about, about this Vitoria side, but especially about Termal because he does look really, really impressive. You know, a lot of, We've seen a lot of promising young goalkeepers lately, for example, Luis Felipe and, and Luis Junior, but I think that uh Termal putting together a really impressive performance looks you know really secure good reflexes we saw six saves four saves in the area 80% passing accuracy overall just a really solid performance from him yeah what what did you make of it
1: well for me it's no surprise uh, this positive run from of Termal uh, firstly well, as soon as he arrived he was regarded as probably the number one keeper of Vitoria. If I'm not wrong, he came through the ranks of Chelsea Academy. So he was highly reputed in Guimarães. The surprise for most of Guimarães fans, not for me because I follow Varela and I always believe in his capacities, uh, was his absolutely stunning beginning of the season, which even ended being called up for the national team as a a reward for his uh, tremendous start of the season. And this season, of course, a new manager new ideas, new, new, new profile, uh, all plays starts from scratch. Varela had this unfortunate uh, injury and sometimes when someone is unfortunate, it may be those, another person may be, look, and this is the case for tomorrow because he played and he showed that he deserves to be is uh, the main goalkeeper for now. And so far, Nothing to say. He's been outstanding. Yesterday it was just uh, another one, another great performance. And it will be tough for Bruno Varel to recover his position at the goalkeeping of uh, Vitoria. Because Tomel is, like I said at the beginning, is a it's a goalkeeper, young goalkeeper with great reputation from Chelsea Academy, youth team of Czech Republic. People have many expectations about him being a future top goalkeeper, and perhaps now he's confirming all the expectations that he gathered at the at the beginning of. Vitoria, they're
0: going down to 10 men early on via a red card from Alpha Samedo. I believe that's three games for him for Vitoria and two red cards already. I do think it's, it's worth pointing out that, you know, he is more of a defensive midfielder and, and yet he was playing almost as, I would say... Uh, as a center back in that phase but, but still a poor mistake from him preventing a a goal scoring opportunity rather than you know keeping pace with the player I think that you know a player of his experience should be doing better but I know that you know he is of Guinea-Bissau descent just like yourself he is playing for Guimaraes and, and you know despite the red I do think he has some he is plenty to offer them talk to me about Alpha Smeda a little bit what do you make of this move for him going to Vitoria do you you think that he'll be a starter this season under Pepa
1: yeah like you said uh Alvaro Smedo very early Red card, which of course uh, was a downfall for the team. Um course, Medo has been playing in in the UK for the past two seasons, and of course, I I did follow his uh, his teams, of course, Reading and Nottingham Forest. Championship is a different football than Portuguese football, uh, far more aggressive, uh, different pace, and and that. So I believe, uh, considering that the experience that he did accumulate. He can be a bonus for, for Vitória. I think he's going to be a key player for, for them this season. Yet, I should also mention that Vitória has Andre André, Joseph Amor, Thomas Handel, uh, um, Andrea Almeida. The last two ones, they are both youth internationals for Portugal. So, Alves Medo has, he was alone for Muleirense. He did stand out, then came back to Mefica, Things didn't quite work. And then... Once he arrived in the UK, he started to play in a different position. Not just a holding midfielder, but more as a box-to-box in Nottingham Forest. Reading last season, sometimes he was even playing behind the striker, behind Lucas Long. So it's a different role that people uh, place him in in Portugal. In Portugal, he plays uh, a number six, as I mentioned. But I believe that his best position is higher in the pitch because he's someone that can score goals. And of course, a midfielder that can score goals is a truly asset. So rather than, rather than just play as a holding midfield, I believe he should play higher up in the pitch. And this is the position that he plays in Guinea-Bissau national team. He plays uh, number eight. And I, in my opinion, is a decent box-to-box. Um, Vittoria made a good job to sign him back. Despite his young age, 24 years old, he's experienced because you play in different contexts of football so like a championship played in for Espanyol Benfica of course you won the league for them and of course uh, players with recognized achievements are always welcome Vitória, who is also a great team trying to find two top top spots of of the table Europa League and Germany
0: Absolutely, going to another match on Sunday. We saw Boavista take on Portimonense. Portimonense taking the lead um, right before halftime. Via goal from Carlinhos. Boavista though getting one back and and, and drawing in the 92nd minute. Uh, a goal from Pitar Musa, capitalizing on a fantastic assist from substitute Paul George's Nete. Was you know a very highly rated prospect in France a few years ago. And very unlucky with injuries. Didn't quite manage to uh, to to make that step up at Wolfsburg. I think Boavista is a really interesting move for him. I think that he has potential to you know step up as the next really the the next creative player on on the wing with the, with on, with Albert Ellis gone. Talk to me about this this Boavista team. I mean, a lot of concern after suffering such big departures such as Ricardo Mangas and Ellis, but. Uh, definitely some some promising players and some interesting takeaways here brakali rafael Barkalili at forty years old with a, with another impressive performance in goal uh Jackson Porozo in the middle defense uh, another impressive player poroso actually uh was looked set to join join Bordeaux and follow mangus and Ellis but but uh, the move broke through on deadline day um and yeah other players such as such as Musa such as Nathan a lot of players who I think will be uh, definitely worth keeping an eye on uh any players uh, that have caught your eye at Boavista how do you think how do you think they are going to do um Joao Pedro Souza this this season
1: Boavista i would say uh last season they people were expecting forcing them to be at the top of the table but sadly for unforeseen uh, circumstances they ended up with a very struggling season, and they nearly go uh, relegated to Division 2. This season, uh, the project remains the same. Of course, the players are not the same. You mentioned those players that went to Bordeaux, Manges, uh Albert Ellis. Of course, we should also say Angel Gomez, who's, who's gone back to, to Lille. And they did find some players, but not quite the same level. So perhaps we should expect less than last season, because last season the expectations were extremely high, with the, the head of Rami as well. Uh, this season, the project is different. They are playing uh, a lot of local players, players from the academy. I would highlight Thiago Moraes, who even scored a brace earlier this season. is an interesting striker that should, we should pay attention to. Um, Gustavo Sauer is a player that I like because he's a box-to-box, box, he scores goals, he's a hard-working guy, decent. Thiago uh, Bilori, he has an impressive CV, as, as we know, Sporting, Liverpool, uh, Reading, Bordeaux, so it's a player that we expect to add more experience. She does. he went to Turkey, but they also got powerful centre-back, which is Marcel Jalo. He's not known in Portugal, however, I can tell you that he's definitely going to be an asset for the team. He's quite tall, he's uh, powerful, he uh, has quality on the ball, despite his uh, great, great um, high. Is a player that will definitely be a boss in a Boavista defence. Bracali is synonym of experience and I believe that people should uh, trust the process. Jean-Pedro Souza has, has shown qualities in Famalikao, he's a great manager and uh, of course with time he's going to deliver the goals for Bovis this season which is of course remain in the Premiership. I believe they should not aim more than that because the squad is not wonderful but They have their weaknesses as well. And if they remain humble this season, they can achieve positive goals, I believe.
0: Very similar situation to Joao Pedro Souza last season with Flamengo, uh, losing quite a few big names such as you know such as Elias Mangas, Attila Rami. But if 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 he, if he can get those pieces to click, I think there's definitely some potential for something special there. Portimonense, on the other hand, you know losing another really key player in Beto joining Udinese on final day of the transfer window, definitely a big loss for them. But Porto getting getting the lead early on via a goal from Carlinhos, who converted um, after a really impressive cross and an assist from Fali Kande. 23-year-old left back, uh, born in Guinea-Bissau, really bounced around quite a few academies in Portugal before joining Porto Manic in 2018. He caught, the, he caught my eye early on this season with a really good free-kick goal against Tondela. And, yeah, it was really stealing the show against Boavista. Three out of four aerial duels, one assist, three key passes, two out of two crosses completed, three out of four successful dribbles. I mean, the stats don't tell the full story, but I think that he's really showing to be one of the, the most promising left backs in Portugal. How, how, do, you, how do you rate Condé? I know he plays for your national team. What, what do you make of his, his future? What he needs to work on? And uh, you think we could potentially be, see him getting a big move soon?
1: Well, finally, Kande, uh, I believe with the analysis that you did about him, he's a quite interesting prospect. Uh, he's been improving lately. He came to Porto as you mentioned, 2018. Uh, youth team, he played for Porto. He used to be an attacking player, mostly down the wing. And uh, Paulo Sergio, I give credit to Paulo Sergio because uh, he's the manager who converted him into a left back. If you look around, the main full backs from Portugal, they will start to play in an attacking, in attacking position as a winger and they drop back. I think about the cases of Coentrão, uh, even João Cancelo. Uh, Simedo they were they. whilst they were young they were all forwards and then they dropped back so obviously Falikande has good attacking profile as you mentioned he's got a free quick he's good on take-ons and what stands out for me right now is that he's improving his defensive abilities progress has been on point he, he earned aggressiveness his position is quite good now he does a lot of slight tackles I believe that his sense of defense is is improving, and this is why he's stepping up his game. Uh, we all like to see attacking full backs, but they also learn need to learn how to defend because without defense, you cannot win games. And Falikande is improving on that aspect. And considering his age, 23, considering his position, left back, which is a position that perhaps is harder to find talent uh, in football. So I believe teams should therefore keep an eye on Falikande because his progress has been. Incredible. Just a season and a half disposition and look, look at his uh, progress. As you mentioned, he, play, he plays for the national team as well. Recently he had two great games versus Guinea-Conakry and Sudan, proving to be obviously a trustworthy element of the team. I believe the next season, maybe if he keeps his performances, he can go to a different club.
0: Yeah, one of the uh, breakthrough left backs I would say of last season was Abdou Conte, who you know born in Guinea-Bissau, but has represented Portugal at the youth level and did quite well in the U twenty one Euros, and you know has has maintained that left back starting spot for for Morientes. Looked like he would he would join uh, some teams such as Cagliari, but but he has remained in Portugal. How do you compare Conde with with Conte? <laughs> uh,
1: Abdou Conte is. He's a talented player that also caught my eye. Uh, I was not surprised to see him in the national team and he did play well. I was not surprised because he came through the ranks of sporting. Uh, he's a versatile player. He plays a centre-back and also left-back. Eventually, he can play a whole midfielder because he's such a versatile player. Conte, compared to and the defensive-wise, is more reliable than, than Kande. He's all your team as... Left-back and centre-back. Uh, shows why he's, he's a better defender, I would say, than Fale. He's quite quick as well. In terms of uh, ability to take on and crosses, he's not the same level of Kande. But overall, I would say Abdu Conte is uh, a step above. However, uh, we, one season, things can change. And uh, who knows, by the end of the season, I would change my opinion, and say that Falikande Kande is above Abdu Conte. Uh rate rates, uh I like both. Both they are nearly the same age. Con Conte is twenty-three, I believe, and they is 23. So it's definitely two teams, the three grandish they should keep an eye.
0: Really two two promising left backs keep an eye on. Liga B Win though, you know, kicking off after after international break with a game between Pasos Chipeira and Braga. Uh a really special game, not just the fact that that it was between the last season's fourth place team, as well as last season's fifth place team. But the fact that it was the first game uh, that was refereed by a French referee. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Port- the Portuguese league and the French league have essentially done a referee swap, swapping some French referees to Portugal and some Portuguese referees to to France. I think it's a really interesting experiment and we saw that, you know, going in this game with Willy Delajode, the French ref. In general, I think that I feel like a lot of Portuguese players, a lot of players in Liga win will, will feel less inclined to, to hassle a ref when he's like from a foreign country and, you know, speaks foreign language, which probably says something about, about them. But, but in general, I think is a positive movement for, for this uh, experiment. You, I know you speak French and Portuguese. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. But just talking a little bit about this, about this Braga and Passos match, though. I mean, two teams who, in general, have done a very good job of keeping hold of their key players after after their impressive season last season. Obviously, Passos losing Bruno Costa um, after his loan spell, and now playing. Uh, now starting in, in midfield or Porto and Braga, losing Ricardo Schaio as well as Fran Sergio, but keeping hold of a lot of key players such as Amostrati and adding to their squads. I want to hear your thoughts on this Passos team, though, because I thought that in general they were the better of the two sides, but they created a lot of dangerous opportunities and forced Mateus into making some big saves. Another really impressive performance from Steven Lushtakia. Talk to me about your expectations for the Beavers, for George Skimal's team. How do you f- expect them to do after last season's fantastic performance?
1: Last uh, season, is a team that I respect quite a lot. Uh, their project is solid, solid at all levels. Uh, the team, uh, the club has shown a tremendous progress in terms of facilities. You can see the ground is better now. Uh, the communication, the media department, uh, past Schrader. It's a project that should leave uh, Portuguese fans proud. Uh, the way that they have raising small steps, but surely steps. Nowadays, the secret is stability. As you mentioned, they kept most of players. Paper left to Vitoria Sport Club. Yet, uh, they brought in a manager that knows the club, knows the values of the club, which is Jorge Simao, who had a decent spell previously. That's why he did come to the club. They do mix uh, young players with experienced players. I I agree with you. They they did a uh, great match uh, this Saturday, I mean, versus Braga should also point out, they did well versus Tottenham, they did well, they they managed to win a game at home. Even though they are now in the uh, Conference League, this achievement uh, is surely legendary for a pass writer to beat uh, Tottenham. I, I believe fans wouldn't even believe, or maybe just if you play FIFA, but other than that, Passage Ferreira, they are doing very well. I like Yustakio. I like uh, also a young player called Mike Choi uh, The goalkeeper as well stands out. And Tunis, of course, decent left-back. He used to play for season, which is an example of what I was saying. The mixture of express and youngsters. Luis Carlos as well. Huge CV. I believe Passage Ferreira is a team that will surely secure a place on top 10 without major difficulties. No doubt. On the other hand, Braga, they had a disappointing result, I would expect, because obviously, uh, sporting versus sport, you, you expect Braga to win. To shorten the, the gap at the top of the table, you see they're having a slow start. In my opinion, they have, they did not manage to win versus versus Victoria, which is a local derby, quite relevant for them. Another setback in versus Ferreira. I believe it's lacking. It's lacking. I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't say quality, but some confidence. Struggling, lacking some confidence at the moment. This is why they are not building a momentum of victories. I hope that they start to kick in and win games considering the Europa League is about to start uh, this week and Braga is a team that always earns quite a lot of points for, for Portugal. Standard players, for me, I, I really like Biazon, um Diogo Leite as well is a player that I like and I believe it's going to be another example of players who play for Sporting, Benfica and Porto. To Braga, Braga, uh they have less pressure into the middle, which allows them to explode. And we have the, the likes of Juri Mateus, Ricardo Gaio previously, uh Fábio Martins, they all they all uh came to the ranks of sporting Porto Benfica. They did not find the potential to meet the expectation but when when Braga, they stand out because the structure Uh, left pressure allows them to actually uh, perform in a quite reasonable level. So I expect Diogo Leite to be a standard player this season.
0: As you mentioned, you know, Braga, they have brought in quite a few promising players. Uh, We saw the debuts of Jan Kuto, Chiquinho, as well as Diogo Leite, the only player who, uh, the only player who lasted the full 90 I like I like this move a lot for Late. I think that he can definitely provide some guarantees in in defense. Once David Carmel is back from injury, I think that potential to have him as well as, as Late, as well as I would probably say Vitor Tormena, potentially Paulo Oliveira or, or Ronaldo Silva in a back three. I think that definitely provides some guarantees. But I feel like the, the biggest issue for this Braga side right now is not necessarily well. Okay defense is certainly an issue, but but I would argue that, that late uh, coming in as well as uh, the, the, the return from new Palmer will help to a degree you know solve those. I would argue an even bigger issue for Braga is just just the predictability it, I think that you know looking at them last season, you know they were definitely one of the most aesthetically pleasing teams to watch, but overall I mean you know, Braga drawing to Vitoria de Guimaraes right before this, drawing to Paso Cicajera, losing to Sporting. We I think that that's that's one of the biggest things is that, you know, they have brought in the likes of Chiquinho, Mario Gonzalez, Fabio, Marti, Fabio Martins coming back from his loan, but still struggling to kind of click on all cylinders. I would argue that you know the exit of Ricardo Schiau definitely plays a part in that as well. As we as they approach Thursday's game against the Red Star Belgrade, who you know, obviously are no pushovers, I think that maybe some of the alarm ball, alarm bells are starting to ring for Carlos Carvalhal in terms of really just this these lack of collective ideas in attack. Do you think that Carvalhal may need to tweak something or, or or change things up for for Braga?
1: They must remain the profile There their ups and downs and not because uh, recently things are not going well. They should refurbish, let's say, and change the whole model. No, stability is is the key for success. And this is why they managed to uh, win the cup because they were loyal to their profile of playing beautiful attacking uh, football. Of course, this season, maybe they lost... Uh, key players such as Isgayu and Francesco not no one but two key players and uh, perhaps the replacements are not at the same standard especially I would say for the right back Fabiano or Bayano was uh, one of the captains and offers all the qualities than the current player doesn't and uh, with regards to the attacking wise they just just uh, a bad luck period uh, I would say the moment when Abel Ruiz starts to Kikin is going to score plenty of goals as he did last season. Of course, the shaking beginning can affect uh, the confidence of the team as a whole. However, I believe uh, Carvalho is the right man in the right place and things going to start to, to flourish uh, soon. Still talking about Braga, I should mention that uh, their project is amazing. I see some similarities with Chelsea and I'll tell you why. Braga is a team that invested a lot of money building a new academy. When I say a lot of money, I consider the dimension of the club in, in the national scale. They put in a lot of money to invest in the academy. And nowadays you see different, different players coming through the ranks of, of Braga. You mentioned earlier Zé Carlos, uh, Francisco Moura, which was a talented left-back who got injured last season. And either they play these youngsters, or oh, they sell, like Chelsea. They sell the players. And these players, all together, they bring a lot of money. I'm thinking about the likes of Samuel Costa. Samuel Costa is a talented centimetre, age 20, 20 years old. We didn't quite see him because he played one season in, in a B team, which plays second or even third tier. And he could a 5 million move to, to Spain. He was played for Almeria. 5 million. 5 million euros is a valuable money for, for Braga for someone who never played first-team football. And this is an example of uh, the good strategy of Braga. Another one, uh, Leandro Sanka. Leandro Sanka had an amazing season for Academica. He played two games or three games for the first team. He went on for Academica. And Braga managed to swim to Spezia, which is a Serie A team for over one million moves. Yet again, a player from the academy, you don't see him play much for the first then he goes and provides millions. So this is why I mentioned that they have a similar approach of Chelsea. And this can only be good because it's a club, and which helps for Braga to keep players, uh, like Al for instance, because they don't need to sell for 10 million and they can ask for 20 because they saw players from the academy to all the teams abroad. And today, if you see the under-23 team, under-19 Braga, they are far too competitive. This is why you see the, the likes of uh, Roger, Roger Fernandes, who is 15 years old and already wishing his name on the first team. So Braga is uh, 100% definitely a team for the present and for the future. And they have the, the right manager, at the right place, Carlos Carvalho.
0: Absolutely, I think that Braga. You know, I, I, and I agree with what you said. I think the wing backs, looking at likes of Galeno, Fabiano, they're nice players, but they don't quite—they don't quite have that that end product to marry their their technique with. Um, and I think that's going to be something that that will be that will be a headache for Carvalho. You know, you have a lot of interesting options, but nobody like. I think that there are definitely, it's it's definitely going to be on, on both wing back positions, as well as the attack. You know, Carvalho is still trying to find his mm-hmm. right team, his right formation. Got a lot of options on both flanks, likes of um, Nuno Sequeira, um, Galeno, Fabiano, Giancucho, um Roger Fernandes, of course, the 15-year-old who became the youngest ever player to to debut. I definitely think he's not going to get as much in the wave minutes, but still another option, um, as well as, you know, an attack. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Braga this season. Um, overall, I think that they had, I would say they had the best window in Portugal. Yes, they lost the Schaio, um as well as, um, as well as Sergio, but Francisco. they... But they still brought in a lot of quality players such as Mario Gonzalez, uh, Chiquinho, Lucas Mineiro, Diogo Leite. Um, will it, you know, does it improve their squad? In my opinion, yes. Is it enough to break into the top three, though? I think that's, that's another question. Um, but yeah, moving on, though, moving on to the Ostrich Granges, the, the crop that, that Braga are trying to break into. Uh, it won't be easy. Benfica. Continuing their perfect start um, to the season with a five nothing victory against Santa Clara, going into uh, the Asores and and defeating Santa Clara, which um, obviously has has been described as a mini Benfica due to their uh, similarities in their badge. Um, Jorge Jesus resting a few players with, with keeping an eye on on the. Um, on 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 Tuesday's match against Dynamo Kiev still a fairly strong side i would say though um but you know the likes of i believe i believe Nicolas Otamendi was rested after coming back uh late from from international duty with argentina um the midfield was was i would say it was pretty much their first choice um but the attack i would say pretty fairly rotated saw so Darwin Nunez Rodrigo Pino and Everton Suarez uh, playing in the front three. So you know Roman Yaremchuk, Pizy, Rafa Silva, um, and Jedson Fernandes, and as was well new signing Valentino Lasario coming out, coming off the bench. It just shows you how much how much how much quality they have in their squad. That you know even when playing a second choice, you still have that uh, you're, you still have that ability to field that front three. And Darwin Nunez, a player who had a bit of an off year um, in, in his first season in Portugal, and was heavily linked to a move to Brighton, ended up staying and, and returning from from injury um, with a an impressive race against Santa Clara, doing quite well as as well as um, new signing Rodrigo Pino to 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 help. Uh, sink Santa Clara in their home stadium with by a five to nothing scoreline. Um, I want to focus just a little bit about Darwin. You know, had a lot of pressure as as the most expensive signing in, in Portuguese football uh, history, and in general, I think failed to deliver. But coming in with with a really good with a, with a really strong display. Um, that I think, you know, sends a message to George Jesus, you know, I I may not be, I may not have what it takes to be a, a, a full-time concrete starter, but I'm going to, I'm going to compete, you know, I'm going to make it difficult for you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a selection headache. Um, what have you made of Darwin so far? And, um, what do you think he needs to improve on to, to make the next step in his development?
1: Yeah, um, Benfica, they managed to, to win the game. Uh, of course, the result is huge. Five nil away. Uh, I believe in Benfica, we shouldn't say second team or B team because uh, either the players on the bench or the starters, they are all international. Uh, if you look about, uh, okay, they play the uh, B team. They uh, play Nunes, Uruguay, Everton, Cebolinha. Uh, but international. So from there, you can see that the team uh, is on a different level. Even Pizzi, who is not playing much right is a Portuguese international, they have a huge squad. Uh, this season, they, they have no excuses to, to fail because their budget uh, is uh, absolutely above the average with regards to Portuguese football. Naby Nunes is the most expensive player of course, you may, may understand that he may feel the pressure. He's 21 years of age, 22, I believe. Uh, coming from Uruguay, Almeria, which is not a bad team, but in terms of pressure, you cannot compare to, to Benfica. And uh, I believe maybe he was not ready for for that step mentally. Yet, uh, football-wise, he has the, the abilities to to keep working, improving. And I believe that he can be the player that the fans are expecting. It's it's, it's, it's It will be tough and very harsh to judge one player in one season. So, obviously, you know, the first season was under the expectations. Nevertheless, I give him the benefit of the doubt. And I believe that Gabi Nunez will will, will explode soon.
0: Absolutely, uh, Benfica preparing for their game against Dynamo Kiev. Sporting, on the other hand, going to face off against Ajax on Wednesday. Whereas uh, Porto playing Atletico Madrid, um, and that's where we're going to obviously you know saving the best for last. We are going to dive into. The Classico, the first Classico of the season, I believe the first Classico with fans uh, since February 2020. Um, Been a long time. I believe there's been 11 Classicos since then. Um, As usual, as is typically the case with with games between the big four, uh, it was a cagey affair, a game that I believe saw 40 fouls and I think 12, maybe 11 yellow cards, as well as three yellow cards in the first. Uh, four minutes, typical typical uh, TuGao action, shall we say? Right? Sporting um, yeah, yeah. fan, know you're going to be kicking yourself for, for this result. Talk to me about this game, though.
1: Uh, the game, the game was was a tough one. Uh, the result is disappointing because Sporting did work hard to to win the match. Uh, and we all have the idea that we have not been rewarded for what we did put in in terms of effort. Uh, Porto uh, did have a sloppy beginning of the match, hence why Sergio Cicero, uh made two first uh, half-type changes. Uh, it's not it's not frequently in football to make two first uh, first half. Changes um, as the time went past, so, Porto was growing in confidence, and on their first ever shot on targets, Luis Diaz, uh, unbelievable, talented, it's called uh, a sick goal. Um, uh, talking about Luis Diaz uh, much respect from him because him and Uribe. Uh hours ago less than 24 hours ago the, they were arriving from Portugal they played in the Americas for the World Club qualifier and one day after after took in a great performance versus sporting they were running up and down him and Uribe I truly, I truly appreciate and this is the example of uh, players who are committed to the club so bigger for them too because the other players they had two weeks to rest and they didn't play as, as they did. Uh, sporting uh, surely has some regrets after the result. Um, of course, the team did work to, to win. Uh, the pressure applied. The first half did not uh, manage to pull KO on the final score. And like I mentioned, Porto was growing confidence. And after the draw, Twenty minutes left. Uh, much, not much football has been played, as it. Many, many little fights between the players. Other uh, elements were not the expectation of this great match. Um, and yes, yeah, d- disappointing. Difficult to talk to me about this match uh, with the guys referee. I'll make no comments. We, we already know what, what Portugal can deliver. And now it's time to focus on Champions matches, but I believe the players uh, did all and yeah, like on to the next one.
0: Porto, uh, you know, it was, I would say a pretty, uh, it was a pretty poor performance from them. Um, sloppy, sloppy. Very sloppy, as is expected, <laughs> with Sergio Conce, so, Um Ivan Marcano starting at left back, uh, complete disaster, getting a yellow early on. And as such, and obviously, Marcano, 34 years old, coming off an ACL injury. I mean, whether he should be starting at all for Porto is, is one question, but starting at left back uh, and going up against Pedro Poro, that's just a recipe for disaster. And it was Marcano, you know, he knows that if I stick a foot in, if I, if I push him, uh, when going against Porto, you know, I'm going to get a second yellow. So he allowed Porto the time and space to put in a cross. Um, Nuno Santos, who who opened the scoring early on, looked like they could have gotten um, another goal or two, but if, if were not for some sloppy finishing um, from from Sporting, um, Luis Diaz, though you know, just less than forty eight hours after scoring a goal in Barranquilla for Colombia against Chile. Uh, coming up massive and scoring a, an absolute goal lasso um for for Porto to draw it. I would say it was undeserved, but at the end of the day, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that, that sport that port that that sporting were, were robbed. I don't think there were many controversial decisions um that totally impacted the game. Well, there there were. Right. I think that, I, I know that you, you must think that Pep, Pepe should have been sent off for his little punch, for his little chin jab on Sebastian Kowatz. Um, there, were, there were a few, and, and Pep, of course, you know, ended up being one of the better performers um, of the Classico with some, just I would say, really a master class in positioning. You know, At 38 years old, he's not going to be the, the quickest player, shall we say, but, but he still is so smart, so intelligent, um, and so massive in these big games. Um, but you know, my point is I think that sporting had enough chances to win it and, and they should have, I think that they really can only blame themselves with this poor finishing. Um, Luis Diaz though, uh, talked to me a little bit about this player because seemed like he was on his way to Everton, but Porto held firm with their asking price. Didn't want to to sell him for thirty million plus. Hamas Rodriguez on loan. I think that tells you all you need to know about uh, about how good this kid is. I mean, it wasn't long ago that Hamas Rodriguez was the attacking talisman of of Colombia. Now Porto won't even won't even take him on loan and 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 sell Diaz uh, for thirty million because he's that good.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, Luis Diaz is is the one to watch. Last season, uh, it was his first season in Champions League, if I'm not wrong, because Porto didn't qualify the season before. He did quite well. He scored versus Manchester City. Uh, Thrilling goal, if you remember. Uh, So I'm surprised that now he's actually full of his potential physical profile uh, matches or in a certain player. Um, of course, he, he came from from Colombia and he, he deserves his time to adapt to European culture of football. Uh, also the lifestyle is a whole the life in Europe and once you are set in, once you are fully adapted, it's when you start to flourish your abilities. And Sergio Conceição has been uh, a key element for this progress because he's teaching him uh, the norms and values. Um, Sergio Conceição also helped him because when he's not good enough, when he, when he's not putting effort in, he goes to the bench. And Conceição has no problems in bringing in other players to send him a message that he needs to work hard. And today, Luigi uh, is a different player; uh, is more consistent. uh, I think it was good for him to to stay. Because rather than go to Everton or AS Roma, if he stays one season or two, he can go to a bigger club. Who knows, by Munich and Chelsea. Because I certainly think this is the sweetest club for him. I'm not saying that he wouldn't achieve this level if he goes to Rome or Everton. Yet Rome and Everton, perhaps they are not bigger clubs than FC Porto. So rather stay one or two seasons and then after you play after accumulate some Champions League football, Champions League experience, you go to a higher club and then smash it.
0: I almost think that there are some I I think that, you know, remember just just uh just seven or eight years ago, Luis Suarez, you know, holding out for a move to Arsenal, Stephen Gerrard said, you know what, stay here, Liverpool, and, and in a year you'll be playing for Barcelona or, or or Real Madrid. I almost think that that could be what happens with, with Luis Diaz because he's had an absolute phenomenal season. Who knows? Yeah. Porto I mean, are <laughs> no stranger to, 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 you know, selling their players to, to bigger clubs. I could definitely see him getting a move of that caliber, maybe Bayern even. Um, but talking a little bit about the sporting side of things. Um, Ruben Lamarim making a few changes after halftime. Pablo Sarabia coming on for Van Cabral for his uh, sporting debut um, after joining on loan from Paris Saint-Germain as part of the Nuno Mendes deal. Ricardo Shkaio, um as well as Mateus Rice <laughs> coming in for Ruben Villagre and Zuhair Fidal in the 70th minute, just a few seconds after Diaz uh, scored. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Eskayo or, or Mateus Reis that you'd like to talk about, but, um, and, and as well as Bruno Tabata coming on for, for Pedro Porro in the, in the 82nd minute. Um, one player, though, who I was a bit surprised did not come on was Daniel Braganza. Braganza, very talented midfielder, been talking a lot about on the show. Um, but has you know, it, it seemed like the departure of Joao Mario would potentially open up some room for him. And while he has been coming off the bench, that that uh, the spot has most certainly been occupied by Mateus Nunes. Hard to argue with with that given Mateus' performances. But um, I just felt like. You know, Daniel Braganza could have played a, an important role in, in breaking down Porto, and I don't know, helping them uh, get get their get a foothold on the game, get introducing just a, a different kind of player. Um, I'm curious, what did what did you think of Rumen uh in game management for Oclasico? Did you think that did do you think that Braganza should be playing more?
1: In my opinion, you mentioned the likes of Rizgayu, Moteusz Reis, Sarabia, and so on. We, as fans, we don't know that sporting doesn't have the same squad, I would say, deepness uh, compared to Benfica. Uh, our budget is not the same. The project is not the same at all. Uh, we rely a lot on home players. And of course, uh, we had three, four key elements were not present. I've need to mention. We don't know who they are. And of course, you can you can feel the uh, the squad you, when you take out some players lost a bit of that momentum. Uh, Sarabe did well, but I, I did think that he was not at the pace of the game. He was a bit slow. I don't know if it's uh, lacking minutes or stamina. Yes, I did like what, what it did produce, but uh, they'll, they'll try their best. They'll try their best, but the thing is, Sporting did, did lose some quality with these uh, new players that did did come in. Um, it is what it is. Uh, the, the season will be will be long and we need to rely on these players. Uh, we had all the youngsters on the bench. Mourinho stated that um, this was a key game, so you rather rather... Uh, deliver the trust on experienced players rather than play uh, someone like Thiago Ferreira or, or Steves, who were on the bench and did show uh, great promising signs. Um, I believe that perhaps he could have another striker to come in, but again, Thiago Tomas was not present and Thiago Tomas is an aggressive player, rapid, who could perhaps uh, be a threat to Pepe who is 38 years old and not the same place as before. Perhaps if we had another solution on the bench, we could threat in a, in a different way, but we didn't have. And in two three days, we're playing versus Ajax. So the management, I I respect the management. Uh, the midfield, Daniel Berganza. I like Daniel Berganza. I think all sporting fans like Daniel Berganza. Nevertheless, uh, for the model of the 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 model that we are setting, uh, the profile of Mateusz Nunes is much appreciated. Uh, the No did fit quite well in Ana 21s team, yet yeah, with a different different formation, different midfield, which suits more his capacities, and with the unbelievable that player there is, no one has questions about that. Nevertheless, for this uh, profile of playing to midfield, uh, it, it will be difficult for him to play. If I was expecting him to have more minutes, yes. I was expecting him to to, to play more, especially he was there with the, the arm band some, play, some games during the, the preseason. I was not expecting him to be the replacement of Jomaru. Unlike many years, oh don't worry, uh Jomari left, we have Braganza. Braganza is not the same level of, of, of Jamari, of course, different players. Uh, my my faith has always been put on Matthias Nunes, and it's proving me to be <laughs> sensational prospects with uh international. And like this season, some games, Braganza profile may be needed. My turn is not, you can, you can swap, and vice versa. And all, all players can be relevant. Ugarte as well, another, another value to, to explore. They all have to work hard and to earn their the place.
0: Absolutely. As you mentioned, I think that Thiago Tomas was a big miss. Um, still a lot of positives to come from this game, from Sporting's sporting sport point of view. Um, but overall, disappointing to not get three points. As a result, they are four points behind Benfica um, and level with Porto. Um, moving on, though, we are going to finish up this podcast with our talent of the week section. Uh, so for my talent of the week, I'm going to go with, uh, in my opinion, the man of the match for Oclasico. Um who Nuno Santos as well, the player who scored for Sporting, had a lot of other chances to score, but but, but missed. Um, he, he himself mentioned that that he was probably the man of the match. Diogo Costa. Diogo Costa, 22 years of age, um, mm-hmm. came through Porto's academy, um, actually born in Switzerland, but moved to Portugal at a young age and, and has been at Porto for about a decade now. Um, Helped Porto win the UEFA Youth League in 2019, was you know has been starting for Portugal's youth teams for quite a while, um, and was uh, fantastic for them in the in the U21 Euros. Really, one of the biggest reasons why they got to the final and why they were uh, in it until the final whistle against Germany in the final. Um, Costa has struggled for game time at the first team level under Sergio Conceição, but. With Marquiseen, Marquiseen, the the regular starter, uh, recovering from a uh, internal meniscus injury, um, Diogo Costa has been given the starting spot ahead of Claudio Ramos and Francisco Mechedo and has really rewarded manager's trust uh, with some phenomenal performances. None more impressive though than uh, than 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 his performance against sporting. So Costa, you know, coming, just coming off his, his international debut debut for Portuguese, for the Portugal, uh, senior team, putting in a massive performance, um, against, against sporting to keep it level, uh, to, to keep, to keep them down just one goal, uh, preventing some, some massive chances from sporting. Remember there was one where I think, uh, uh, Mbemba, there was a miscommunication between Mbemba and I believe uh, Mateo Suribe, I'm not sure, and it could have been an easily mm-hmm. goal for Nuno Santos, but but Diogo Costa came in huge. Um, I said prior at, at, in the summer that I thought that if if I was in charge of Porto, I would sell Marquezine, uh recover his value after his impressive season, and and just give Costa the keys. Um hasn't worked out quite like that, but Mark currently unavailable, still recovering from his injury. And is making is making a name for himself with some fantastic performances. Uh, came in massive with four saves, uh, two of them from inside the box, 10 out of 24 long balls completed. Overall, I, I, he does have to work on some things, I would say, especially commanding his box during set pieces. But um, for me... Diogo Costa is currently the second best Portuguese goalkeeper. I would say even ahead of um, Rui Silva or Anthony Lopez. I just think he's that good. Uh, I think that he's, for me, he's the long-term successor to Rui Patricio. Um, and it means that you know Costa, with his contract expiring in 2022, I would I would assume that Porto and and Costa get a deal done and renew him, but. You never know. I mean, maybe a a bigger European team sees his performances, offers him a hefty wage. I don't know. I I think, like I said, I think that they get a deal done, but I definitely wouldn't take it for granted because this is a kid who is, you know, proving to be a top class goalkeeper. Um, and frankly, you know, if if Conseil <coughs> decides to 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 go back with Marcassin in the starting spot after his return from injury, I, I definitely think that could play a role in him having his head turned. Talk to me about Costa. Um, just how good was he against Sporting? And in your opinion, is he the long-term successor uh, for Rui Patricio in goal?
1: Yeah, Yo, Costa, you 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 said most of of my uh, point of uh, view. Diego Costa was uh, a standout player, uh, bright, bright performance. He did shine bright versus sporting. Uh, Some people mentioned oh, Nuno Santos did miss goals. But rather than say Nuno Santos did miss goals, you should say Diego Costa was a fucking wall, and he avoided Nuno Santos to score a hat-trick, a legendary Uh, hat-trick. For people who follow youth football, like me and you, perhaps you know, it's not a huge surprise that he's standing out because he did prove that he is the goalkeeper for the future. Again, this with the under twenty ones, we see a sensational, sensational campaign, which was the final of this competition. He's twenty-one years of age. Um, when I look at with Patricio. Uh, Eduardo Alberto which were which are the great keepers let's say in Portugal Uh, at this age they did not have this standard nowhere near at this age Rudio Costa is a serious serious talent and it's risky for Porto to be uh, playing him in Champions League knowing that he has six months or whatever one season uh, remaining on contract uh, we all know the way football works nowadays with agents getting involved, offering huge amount of money. Uh, when I see a club like Chelsea playing eighty, eighty grand, 80 million, 80 million pounds for Kepa uh, who is 26 and I see the value of uh, Diego Costa, I believe that some questions have to be raised about uh, whether so will manage to keep him or not. It's a similar situation that we mentioned about Bruno Varela and um Trimolo. Bruno Varela last season was outstanding, matches in outstanding during two these two seasons. <laughs> who who can who will forget his uh, memorable display of Juventus the Champions League? Nobody, everyone has in mind uh his tremendous profile. Of course Uh, Diego Costa wants to play because he's young he knows he has to improve Marquezine doesn't want to be a sub he's an international he recently won the Copa America he's 33 34 years of age okay he's in a stage of the career that he wants to enjoy football because he's not going to be playing let's say 10 years I think so we know but you you get my point so it's it's a tough one for Sergio Consisao Marquezine is expected to come back soon what is going to be his choice? Is he gonna put matches in on the bench? Is he gonna carry on with Yoko Costa? Well, it's it's a tough one, but I, I presume managers prefer to have as many options available rather than not having options to to play. So Porto has um uh outstanding asset here in the goal. Uh like you said, it was uh <laughs> the key of this victory. Uh, on Saturday. And for the national team, yeah, when you look at the future. Uh, Rui Silva is not old, he's young. Dio Costa, Jose. Uh, I think we should keep an eye on Maximiliano. He's is Granada. He has a uh, room for improvement. Now he's going to get minutes. Yes, yes, I would. I would class him as one of, uh, I want for the future, Diogo Costa, no doubt.
0: Absolutely, as you mentioned, you know, Marcassine is a very good goalkeeper. Um, he's shown it both at the domestic level as well as uh, the international level um, for Porto. Um, I think yeah, I believe we should we yeah. should
1: go slower with, uh, with the with Diogo Costa because <laughs> he did start quite well, but. Let's see him in the long run. Right. You know football how it is. Today, you are, you are the man. And in six months, you, you are you are the worst. So, you did mention some of his uh, setbacks that has to improve. This is why I, I want to wait a couple of months until I say, oh, after Ripodricio, is the best goalkeeper. Okay, he's the one for the future, for now. But I want to see him proving himself a higher level in order to build my own opinion. Because I want to see him playing versus Atletico, AC Milan, with that pressure, the crowds, and then to we'll fully, fully assess um, Diego Costa.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Costa, though, I think, you know, very highly rated prospect, but I, I definitely don't think it's going to be necessarily a pushover for Marcusine. You know, Marcusine has remained in the club. He's, he's not going to be, he's going to come back and I think he's, he's going to do quite well it'll be a tough it'll be a tough selection headache for them uh, Porto facing mm-hmm. off against a really really tough group and like so um, Atletico Madrid Liverpool Milan probably the biggest group of death in in the Champions League so really excited to see what happens mm-hmm. with that um, and yeah as you mentioned you know Marcasen is not going to be a pushover far from it still a very quality still a high quality goalkeeper even at 33 years of age, I just think that Costa, younger option, and only has a year left on his deal. Um, I don't know, we've seen so many good players leave Porto on free transfers. Yasin Berhini, Hector Herrera, um, I'm trying to think who else. I I just think that, you know, there's potential for, for both Tecatito Corona as well as Diogo Costa to to become the next to leave Porto on a free transfer. But uh, without any further ado, who is your talent of the week?
1: Talent of the week. Uh, when I watch football, I don't go the task, that all the media have the spotlights on. So I'll mention um, a kid aged 20 years old playing for Faf. His name is Joao Castro. He's a highly talented player. He's an attacking midfield. Uh, there's his second season playing uh, for FAF, which is a team playing Liga 3. Uh, should be the one for the present and for the future. This is, He played for the Portuguese Cup, that's the Portugal. Uh, he plays, uh, like I said, attacking midfield. He scored versus Braga B. And this is my talent of the week.
0: Wow, Joao Castro player in the third division. Um
1: yes. That's,
0: that's why we have you on. Other than
1: that, other than Go ahead. That, I, sh- I should I should I would just want to mention that uh Ronaldo Camara it's one second. Yeah, back back to what I was saying Ronaldo Camara uh it's a talent to be playing more. He's he's on Bifica, but he's not getting much game time. Uh, He's 18 years old as well. He's an attacking midfield. He has the profile of Pedri, in my opinion. Uh, Beautiful football, one touch, vision, solidity. I believe that he's the one for the future. And yeah, he he should be playing regular football for Bifica, Ronaldo Camara definitely
0: agree Ronaldo out another player to keep an eye on um, but yeah with any further ado, thank you so much Monique for coming on this show today it's a real pleasure to have you on um, so knowledgeable about all Portuguese teams even in the third division definitely won't be the last time you're on um, Any anything else you want to say where can the where people find you um, anything else you want to mention
1: yeah my last message go to my 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 team in in Scotland, Glasgow, Rangers Rangers Football Club. I want to say a message to the fans. Triple M is coming to Glasgow soon with my blue jersey to to show to the world. We are the people, no surrender, and we're gonna win the league, Rangers. <laughs>
0: We'll see what happens in Scotland. Thank you so much, Monique. It was a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to speak with you. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again soon.